0: It took some time. It, you know, it wasn't that plain sailing, but I was lucky. It kind of got the bug for it after my second year of competing. You've got to fight for every single place on that plane. You know, there's 221 athletes from from British Paralympic Association had and hiding out to, to Japan, and every single one of them spaces were fought for. You're listening to the Just Ask podcast
1: with James Ledger. Just ask Governor. Just ask. Hello, welcome back, Chrysor to another hashtag #JustAsk podcast brought to you by the National Youth Board of Disability Sport Wales. It's good to be back, and it's a very, very special episode because the Paralympic Games have just started. I'm so excited, and I hope you all are too. So, the theme of today's podcast is exactly that: it's a Paralympic special. And I've got a very special guest on the show today who's, who's lived and breathed disability sport his whole life. And he is also a free time Paralympian in both summer and winter games. His first Paralympic Games was in Beijing. And he has then represented Great Britain in ice, ice sledge hockey in Turin. And he also went to London 2012. He's also a former world record holder in the Javelin. And he's a, a pretty much a massive legend in, in British power sport and a role model to many people. So I'm going to introduce to you Nathan Stevens. How are you, Nathan? You okay?
0: Put a bit of pressure on me now, James. To be honest, with that <laughs> intro, but no, I'm very good. Very excited. Uh, I'm excited that the games is actually going ahead. Uh, obviously, the, the opening ceremony was today, and ready to get everything started for for to, well for tomorrow.
1: Amazing! It's going to be happening thick and fast, so I hope everyone's ready to to stay tuned and uh, wake up early for some incredible performances. So, Naif, no, for yourself, you've had a pretty an amazing career. Um, how did How did you get involved in sport? Where like Where did your journey begin? That you know, like many others who are competing at games now, where it started for them. Like, how did it start for you?
0: So, out of luck really, well I I say luck, obviously I I lost my legs when I was nine years old Um, but it was whilst I was in hospital I got introduced introduced to Parasport. I was led there thinking what am I going to do, I was mad into my rugby and football, um, realising that that them doors had had pretty much closed for me Um, but a young lad called Aaron Reese came in to visit me in hospital. Um, he lost his legs through meningitis and opened up the world of ice sledge hockey. Mentioned it in a passing conversation and then uh, a year later after I was fully recovered from, from my injuries, got on the ice and absolutely fell in love with Parasport. It, um, it was from that moment on that I realised that you know sport is still open for me. I didn't realise how far I would get. Um, but it just gave me that passion back for sport and uh, started opening up them doors.
1: So I sledge hockey. Like I've seen it and it's pretty, pretty brutal. Like, how did you find that? And how, like, was it, is it as, like, rough as it looks on TV?
0: Absolutely. And more. And it's fantastic. <laughs> it was great. It was, um, for me, it was because I, I was into my contact sports. I was into my rugby and and it just showed that no matter if you've got a disability, you can still be involved in them fast pace, that really adrenaline run sports. Um, but I was ten years old competing in it, competing in a in a sport where juniors were really non-existent in, in Great Britain. They were always seniors. So the obviously the the next youngest to me was Aaron, and he was sixteen. So when I first came off the ice after that first session. Uh, the coach kind of turned to my mum and was like, I love that he really enjoyed it, but for it. we think he's too young and too small to play. But my mum being my mum kind of uh, faced off to the coach and was just like, look, you're not stopping my son from playing. This is the first time I've seen him that smiling that much since he lost his legs. This is what he wants to do. I don't care what we've got to do. You are not letting him off there, You're know, not taking him off the team. Um, and... He didn't. Um, the, only, the only downside was the, the training times and the training sessions were at ridiculous times of the day. You know They were on a Sunday evening at 12 o'clock at night. So I wasn't getting back home till two, three o'clock in the morning after the session, but then having to go to school the next day. And not only that, my dad had to then go to work and he was on a shift pattern with Ford. So she was my mum was, after she'd confronted the coach, then confronted me and was like, if you don't wake up for school in the morning, you aren't playing again, and so that kind of uh, kind of opened my eyes up to the world and, and realized not to mess with my mum and uh, yeah, n- always woke up for school, just ended up falling asleep in the in the boring lessons, so
1: she didn't realize <laughs> we're going <to> tell her <laughs> hopefully she doesn't listen to this <laughs> but I think uh, just a quick appreciation message to like the parents that. Come on the journey through sport, isn't it? Cause my my parents are the same as well. Like because of my disability or not being to drive, like they cart me around up and down the UK and even abroad all the time. So, yeah, big shout out to the parents who who uh, who you know bring bring us on this journey as well, isn't it? You know,
0: absolutely. And I think it's 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 in it's across all para sports as as you fully well know and appreciate this. When we need that extra level of support from that young age to help with equipment, to help with travel, and I think it's across all sports as well, not just para sport. The the amount that parents actually do for for a young athlete coming through the sport, and then within para sport later on in the life as well, it, it's it's without without them and without the 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 hard work and time and effort that's put in. You know, para sport wouldn't really happen. So it's it, it's a massive shout out to all the volunteers and, and active parents of young athletes. It's um yeah, it's dead dead de- de- you know, a lot of dedication and time gets put in. So uh, yeah, g- gratitude through the roof.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm just glad I picked athletics like that. We train at. A relatively normal time whereas like I'm, I'm glad I didn't do like swimming and I have to wake up at like 5 in the morning and yeah sledge hockey at like, 12 o'clock on a Sunday night <laughs> That's uh, just, just, I definitely pick the easy option
0: <laughs> just happens to be a lot of equipment in especially if you're a wheelchair you know a wheelchair user as well you know the equipment side of things is absolutely ridiculous obviously mm-hmm. with the sledge hockey you had your sledge your sticks your kit um, obviously, I did actually do swimming, and look, the good thing with swimming is all you had to carry was some bathers and some goggles. But mm. then I decided to go to seated throws, where you have to take your throwing frames, your javelins, your discus, your shots. You just, you're carrying around 50 kilos worth of kit before you get anywhere, and my dad and my mum, blessed them, they were the ones carrying it around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, big shout out to them. So, yeah, touched upon it there. So, from, from the ice to to the athletics world and and uh, seated throws how did that come about um through
0: just just a multi sports event um, and through my school so when i went when i went moved to comprehensive school um, i was lucky enough to go into a really really proactive school with disabilities uh, there was a, a disability unit attached to the school but um, i was fully mainstream and went into to a lot of the mainstream classes and um, just started off swimming, uh, swimming in an pool, and kind of got linked up into Progen Sharks, and um, and then it kind of spiraled from there. So I started swimming a little bit, got onto the Welsh squad for swimming, and then just got entered into a multi-sports event in Newport when I was thirteen, and wasn't allowed to do swimming for some reason because I'd because I'd swum for Wales. So I had to pick up a, a few different sports. So uh, just. Dabbled in like table tennis and weightlifting, um, but then got spotted by um, Anthony Hughes, who's the performance manager for Disability Sport Wales. Uh, took me aside and give me a tennis ball to start chucking against the wall, and um, he invited me up to uh, to the the athletics academy day, and um, yeah, just kind of never looked back. So I, I was strong enough, luckily, through my swimming and my ice hockey um to to be able to be quite dynamic in, in the throws and just had um had the apt for it and yeah it didn't stop. So just yeah. carried on from there.
1: Quite dynamic, meaning yeah becoming a world record holder, might <laughs> I add in the challenge It took
0: some time. It you know, it wasn't that plain sailing, but I was lucky it kind of got the bug for it after my second year of competing. Um say so when I was 15, say it got entered into the British Senior Championships and I think I got silver in the discus and then gold in the javelin and the shot put uh, with taking all three British records as well. So it was um, kind of an eye-opener to think oh actually I'm, I'm not I'm not bad at this you know because I'd, I'd, I'd done the British juniors and was successful in that um, but never really knew my potential within the senior rankings until that competition and uh came away and that's when that that bug really set in to go actually I, I'm pretty I, I can notice my talent in, in this event and and really dedicated some time to it then and um, and yeah knew that, that that's the the path that I wanted to take
1: so that was kind of the realization that you know looking at the paralympic games then that, that was that was where you wanted to be
0: Yes, yeah, so it was just, say, it was 2004, so it was just around Athens. Um, and, you know, I, I was training with some individuals who, who actually got to Athens, say Claire Williams, who is a visually impaired discus thrower from from Carmarthen. And seeing her get, get selected for the team and me narrowly missing out, I was just like, actually, no, I, I want to get there. I want to get to Paralympic Games. And it was around that time that... Um, it was it was in training as well then for for the winter Paralympics, and it was I got selected for for the GB team yeah just just on an off chance in two thousand and four for just to be um to be a part of the GB training structure um but they was on at the time they were saying look you're too young at the moment, but we'd love you to come up and, and train with the with the senior men's and the senior team um knowing that in two years time, and two room would be about, I would have been, um, would have just turned 17 and and the right age for it. So, um, yeah, went from there and uh, kind of juggling the both, still wanted to do athletics, but wanted to do ice hockey because it was my passion at the time and the sport that got me into para sport. And um, yeah, kind of doing both while still in school uh, and then got the call from from the British um, sledge hockey team to go well, it was now in 2006, to go, we want you to be a part of, uh, of the GB team and, uh, and congratulations, you've been selected to, to travel to Turin. Um, at the same wow. time, um, Commonwealth Games were out in Melbourne in 2006 and I also got a call then from GB Athletics and Team Wales to go, you know, you've got an, your events actually in Melbourne as well, so which one do you want to do? <laughs> And it was like, uh, can I do both? So in 2005, I think it was, there was conversations going on Well, how can this logistically work? You're going to be in two room for one event and then have to fly straight from a winter Paralympic Games to Melbourne to the Commonwealth Games. And all this was kind of floating around in my head going, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? Um, but sadly, um, late 2005, um, in, I think it was Assen or Espoo, it was either the world championships or the European championships. Um, I actually got reclassified from a 56 to a 57, um, which then meant that my, my, my event wasn't in Melbourne. So I could purely, although I was disappointed, it was kind of a relief that all I had to focus on then was, was Turin. Um, but then when, when I got back from Turin, which was, which was, phenomenal it was absolutely amazing the games uh, for my first time it, it was the decision then that i had to make you know there's two years now before going into beijing um i need to make a decision whether or not i focus on one or still try and do the both so
1: god what a i mean you're popular guy your phone is a blown up there <laughs> um, that's 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 all and to me it's just tough isn't it to, to to make that decision is it's hard and but you know i, I guess in that situation, it's not necessarily the right one, but you, you went with, later on then, you went with athletics and, you know, it took you to, to two more Paralympic Games. And, you know, you've also done, as you as you kind of alluded to that, a, a potential Commonwealth Games, but you've also done a Commonwealth Games now in another sport, haven't you? So it's, it's funny how kind of the journey, you can go on a journey, but your kind of paths kind of change, but you're still going on the journey, aren't you?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it was, it, like you said, it was a tough choice, but I also ultimately had know with that the, the Summer Paralympics and summer sports within the UK are, it, it, at the time, you know I'm trying to think of my longevity in the sport and, and what can I make a career out of. And athletics was the one that really stole my heart. Seeing the likes of Tiny Gray Thompson come through, and, and my training partners Lloyd still at the time, and you know the, the funding structure was there to allow me to to do it full time without the added pressure of mum and dad having to try and um, drive me back and forth to Hull for, for GB training sessions for ice hockey. And you know it, it was Beijing, and, and it was London after that. So it was a, it was a no-brainer to kind of stick to athletics and um and push that as much as i could um but then yeah after i retired in 2014 um left a little bit of a a hole in myself thinking you know i'm not am i really ready to retire from sport? and i didn't really retire on my terms uh which was which was a hard thing to kind of overcome so um yeah talent transferred myself into another different sport of, of weightlifting and uh, and uh, Managed to get myself to to Gold Coast for the, for a final outing, which was which was amazing and awesome to put on that Welsh vest. So it was my first ever um, senior multi games vest uh, to compete for Wales, which was a, a phenomenal experience and one that I got to share with your your good self, sir.
1: Well, I, mean, you, I know it. Was, it was, oh, I still get the Aussie blues. To be fair, <laughs> it was in, incredible. Just I'm just in awe of it because it's just been you've had such a career and and. You've. I feel like you've gone through so much through your through your your sport, and you've got so much experience and knowledge to give. But for for you, like you know, being to all these games and knowing people who have been to games previously, like how much has the Paralympic Games changed? Like how has that movement kind of impacted to what it is now?
0: I think for me. It's always been there in the background, I think, when we, you know, when we talk about the, the legacy of the Stoke Mandeville Games and where it all started, and we've had some phenomenal athletes come through the system, you know, like the likes of, of Tanny Cray Thompson, uh, John Harris, Chris Hallam. You know, we've got some phenomenal stories and, and role models to speak about. But in terms of being public-facing and really getting out there, it wasn't for me, it wasn't until London twenty twelve where Channel four took over the reins of of, of the communication and the broadcasting of, of the games that we really had our own platform to stand on and shine. Um Channel Four turned turned it upside down and said, you know what, we're gonna do this differently. We're gonna promote the athletes and really sell their backstories to get the public bought into their journeys and they did it fantastically well. And, you know, in the lead up I mean, it wasn't just We'll be doing this due in twenty twelve it, it it was twenty eleven It was the build up all within the games to really push them profiles and that elite environment of the of the sport um and then since twenty twelve the the rights have remained with channel Four and you know we're slowly starting to get that publicity that that Paris sport deserves and to really sell the stories of the athletes that we have because we've got some phenomenal individuals across all sports really punching above their weight in terms of medal hole and and especially for Wales, you know, the medals that we bring home per capita are, is phenomenal. And um, yeah, it's, it's good that it's being shouted about.
1: Definitely. And do you think the kind of like perception has changed in terms of like, you know, I guess the standards has improved. So do you think people's opinions have like gone from like almost like uh, it's great that they compete into almost like now, like, wow, Look how fast they're moving, or look how far they're throwing something, or look how fast they're swimming. Do you think it's um, like Channel Four have kind of created to showcase exactly what disability sport that disability sport is about um, as a whole?
0: Absolutely,
1: yeah. You know, people always used to think that, and and
0: it's it probably wasn't as dramatic as this sounds, but people always used to think that if you've got a disability are you doing the Paralympics? Just because I do sport, oh, you must be going to the Paralympics. Well, now it's, you know, you've got to fight for every single place on that plane. You know, There's 221 athletes from, from British Paralympic Association had hiding out to, um, to, to Japan, and every single one of them spaces were fought for. There was no given spaces whatsoever. And it just shows how professional para-sport has started to become and it just shows, you know, how elite that training environment has to be to get there. You know, these athletes, it is their full-time job. They are training eight hours a day, six days a week. You know, it, it's, it just, it's got to that level where you have to. Otherwise, other countries and other nations are starting to catch up to Great Britain. You know, we've always been top five in the medal table, but it's getting tougher and tougher to stay there because other nations are buying into para sport and really pushing the um para athletes into these programs and challenging for medals which is fantastic to see and it's it's only going to grow and get stronger
1: definitely and you touched upon there there's some of the welsh legends including yourself that have been to two games and you know looking ahead to to tokyo now 2020 tokyo games plus one um you know we got some uh, 21 welsh athletes i think that's right isn't it uh that uh, that are going to be fighting for for everything they got for for a medal um what do you think tokyo is going to be like for one and secondly let's talk about some of the people that are, are that are out there what what are our chances of uh, picking up some 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 medals out there
0: so i think it, it, it's going to be twofold i think for the athletes who have been to previous games it's going to be different it's go you know they they, they know paralympics Especially the, the the previous ones that we've had, you know, a lot of our athletes started off in in London twenty twelve, where the games blew out of proportion. You know, it was sold out crowds, and it it was like no other games previously. Um, and then that kind of followed on to to Rio, just you know, a, a smaller extent. But but now going into Tokyo, where they they train them behind closed doors. It's going to be hard to try and keep that mentality of this is still a major games, so it's it's going to be a different type of games, but also going to show how robust these athletes are to still be able to go out there and perform on the world stage without having the buzz and that adrenaline rush from the crowd. Now it's purely down to how much you love to compete, you know, how much do you look at your competitors in the lanes next to you or in the field in the room when you look across that table eye to eye and you just want to beat that person and it's going to come down to that fight or flight mentality of these athletes now and I think we've got some fantastic athletes to go out there and demonstrate that. Um, I think also some you know when it's not a major games, our athletes are also used to, used to competing in empty stadiums, empty stands. It's just been able to transfer that mindset now into a Paralympic games into that big huge environment um and then talking about some of the, the 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 athletes that we've got coming through obviously we've we've got some of our our world beaters already so we've got ali davis um competing in the in the 60 i keep on forgetting the new classifications uh the 62 shot put. i think it is 61 shot put. Uh, the old 42 shot put. um going in as world record holder paralympic champion world champion you know he's he's the one to beat in that event um we've got some New stars coming through the system as well. So we've got two newbies in, in the table tennis. We've got Tom Matthews and Joshua Stacy. Um, Tom is, is has already made his mark on, on the table tennis scene for many years and narrowly missed out on Rio, um, but is up there for in the medal chances now for Tokyo, which is going to be fantastic. Um, another newbie in rowing, um, Ben Pritchard, who um, came through from a triathlon program, um, but actually broke his back while while competing. Um, on his bike and uh, kind of trans, and and is now a phenomenal rower. He, he has put his, He's only been injured for I think it's five years, and is really making his name name for himself in the, in the um, in his classification within rowing. Um, talking about some other ones. Obviously, I gotta be a little bit biased. I've got two athletes competing out there myself: um, Harrison Walsh and Harry Jenkins. Um, Harrison competing in the 64 Discus, uh, which is a very, very highly contested event uh, with Dan Greaves, who's another GB athlete competing, uh, but also got some very, very strong Americans um, um, who are world record holders. Um, it's, it's, it's Campbell, who's, who holds the world record at 65 metres. Uh, so there's, there's a few in that group. And then um, Harry Jenkins, who was on, who, who on one of your uh, podcasts before, um so he's going in there competing on monday in the t3300 meters so it's say uh, it's going to be an exciting one but again so we've like you said we've got 21 phenomenal athletes across 12 different sports so we we you know we're gonna have a busy old uh, time sitting in front of the telly watching them all at silly o'clock in the morning <laughs>
1: <laughs> we want changes for the world though eh? no, i definitely mentioned it there like we we've had I think we had Tom Matthews in the table test on the show. We've had Harry Jenkins and we've had James Ball in the, in the paracycling in the How can tandem.
0: I How can I forget James Ball?
1: Mr. Ball. Yeah. Yeah. Legend. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's so exciting isn't it? 21 athletes from Wales. That's, I think, I think that's a huge credit to, to disability sport Wales as a whole. And the kind of pathway you guys are kind of creating to that elite top tier of, of sport you know this is this is the pinnacle and this is what they dedicate their lives to uh, Nate, it's for for people for people listening how do you you know because you've been there you've done it like how do you mentally prepare yourself for what is the, the biggest stage of them all
0: it's well this time has been a five-year cycle it's been five years to prepare themselves mentally for these games and I think this game is going to be different in the fact that I think the majority of them will just be happy that they're there. You know, it, it got cancelled last year and they had four years of planning, juggling their lives, planning their schedules around competitions, training, missing out on family events to, to really be selfish and, and focus on themselves and for that to get turned upside down and then that the anticipation of is the game's actually going to be going ahead. For now, them to be out there in the holding camp and moving into the village, I'm hoping that, that 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 excitement will just will just prepare them for it. You know, there's going to be some athletes who are going to be extremely nervous going into their events. Um, but what I used to do, and it's what I've told um, told my um, Harry while he was out there. He was, it's you can't focus on your race day until the race day. So you've still got well harry's now let take harry for an example he's got a week now leading up to his event take it day by day focus on your daily routine focus on the things that you can control in that moment know when you need to go to sleep know when you're going to eat train at a sensible level you don't need to overdo it because you're on that time now that, that it's make or break and just enjoy it you know you're at that pinnacle of your career you're at the major events and you should know as an athlete at games that you have done everything that you possibly can to go out there and perform. And it's trusting in that process, trusting in your coach to know that you've tapered right, your training's been right, and just leave it all on the start line, leave it all on the court, leave it all in the circle, leave it all in the pool. And when you leave your event, just make sure that you've done everything that you possibly can.
1: Wow. God, it's exciting. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. It's going to be a really interesting, fun couple of weeks of, of sport and, and I can't wait. I guess my last question, Neef, a um, bit of a fun, one. do you have like, but, a, apart from yourself competing at the games, do you have a, a Paralympic highlight or Paralympic memory that, that like really kind of truly inspired you or, or, or a moment that you think oh, that was amazing?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. I think for me, Beijing, Liz Johnson's gold. Um, Nice. I think what Liz had to deal with going into Beijing, I couldn't comprehend the mental strength that she had to go through. Um, So Liz lost her mum just before hiding into Beijing and she went out there and absolutely smashed it. And for me, that is how strong of an individual you have to be mentally physically emotionally to go out there and put yourself first and realize why you do your sport and that that's stuck with me you know ever since the games and um and i just hope that you know the athletes go out there and like i said know why you do it you know know why you put in the hours know why you put in the, the the dedication when it's miserable outside, especially for the likes of yourself who you know train outdoors. I, I'm retired now, so I don't really have to worry about that. But you know when you're dragging yourself out of bed to go run around a track at silly o'clock with it pouring down with rain, when it's ice on the floor, um, and just dedicating that that amount of time to it, it's um yeah, it's going to be a special one. And I think for our 21 athletes out there out in the games just i just wish them all the best and bring it home for wales you know and bring it home for gb and just getting there for me is an achievement in itself so and for the the new athletes for i think we've got eight first time uh paralympians out there just go and enjoy it you know it's just the start of their journey and um yeah i wish them all the best
1: and i second that that, oh, incredible no thank you so much naif i think that's such a good insight into uh, that really kind of in-depth look and how the athletes will be preparing for their events and and a kind of an overview of the paralympic games and how it's changed and how what it means to you because you know you can see you can hear how how passionate you are about about disability sport and what sport has done for you so it's absolutely incredible and I, i've loved having you on the show so thank you so much Nathan for for joining us.
0: No it's been an absolute pleasure and it's uh thank you for having me again.
1: <laughs> no problem but yeah exciting few weeks ahead guys so make sure to check out Channel 4 for the latest and the greatest performances but also check out Disability Sport Wales's social media as well to stay up to date with everything that's going on at the Games it's going to be an exciting one and I hope you can all watch and cheer on not just our 21 Welsh athletes at the Games but everyone in Paralympics GB. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on the next hashtag Just Podcast.
0: Just Ask Governor.
1: Just Ask